This is God's word. That day when the evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that they were nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He, rebuked, he got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. The word of the Lord. Pray with me. God of love, at times I feel like I'm in a boat, scared of storms, the water, the winds, even the sinking boat. Worst of all is my fear is that you may be asleep on the job. You, however, are not. Despite these feelings, there is a reality that breaks through the storm, a light that shines through the clouds. We have hope beyond hope that you are the God that resolves our spiritual insecurities. We believe, forgive our unbelief. Amen. It's dark. You're home alone. The house is warm, but it's quiet. Maybe you're reading a book or watching TV. You hear a tapping on the window, and the, and the shadows begin to move across the wall. Someone is outside. Your breathing speeds up. Your heart pounds. Your muscles tighten. You hear the noise again. Are the trees scraping against the window or... Just for a second, you're so afraid that you thought about running to the safest place in your house to hide, or you thought about running to find your baseball bat to defend your house. Either way, your body um, is initiated with a very simple response, fight or flight. And this response is, is critical to our survival ever since we've had to run away from lions or ever since we had to defend our crops. Regardless of the danger our body reacts in very specific ways. And this is really interesting. I didn't know that. This is is what our body does so fast on its own. There's sudden chemical reactions that change in the body that include these things. The heart rate and blood pressure increase. The pupils begin to dilate, to take in as much light as possible. Veins in the skin restrict to send more blood to the major muscle groups. And this is responsible for the chill that we get sometimes that we associate with fear. Blood glucose levels increase. Muscles tense up, energized by adrenaline and glucose, responsible for those, for those goosebumps. Muscles, smooth muscles relax in order to allow more oxygen to flow to the lungs. Non-essential systems like the digestion or the immune system shut down to allow more energy for emergency functions. And you have trouble focusing on small tasks because the brain has to be directed to to focus towards the bigger picture. If there's a burglar at the door, you're going to have to take action and fast. You either um, either run for your life or you fight for your life. I like to view this passage through that framework of the flight or fight response for a couple of reasons, but mainly is because this idea of, of fear or emergency makes this passage more real. But more importantly, it makes the disciples' questions more real. They are people that have a flight or fight response, and they have questions, and these questions 
are real. And the center, the center question is, who is this man? Who is Jesus? This passage is about fear, this flight or fight, but it's also about trying to answer that deep, burning question. Who is this Jesus? Who is this man? And there's three points that we can glean from this. Um, one, the disciples fear. Two, Jesus' question. Three, the gospel's answer. So first, the disciples fear. There is, a, there is a deep underlying assumption in this passage about fear, specifically about where their fear is directed. And it begins with the disciples. The disciples are, um, and we, we know this from Mark and the other, the other gospels, the disciples are fishermen. They are people that are used to being on boats. They're used to being in this, in this sea that, has, uh, that is notorious for quick and violent storms. They know how to, how to work a ship. They know how to fish. They're very familiar with how to handle this circumstance. In other words, these men know when there's a storm a-brewing, which makes it odd that they were so afraid and worried. And so because of that, that oddness, that rarity, that they're afraid of the storm in this boat that they're so familiar with, we have to assume that something is happening that is brushing against their natural instincts. Their natural instincts, just as people, that they have a flight or fight response. They, ha- they respond in a certain way. But also, um, that brushes against their natural instincts of occupation. Something is pushing them out of their normal. And if you look at this text, this fear, I think, is placed somewhere in a, in a tension about asking who Jesus is and what he does. If you look at the phrase in the beginning of the passage, it says, they took Jesus on a boat just as he was, and then he calms the storm. And the, and the only mention, the actual word fear, or have anything resembling fear, is that after he calms the storm, and after he says, why do you not have faith? They were terrified and asked about who he was. Identity and fear. They look into this, into this void. They look into the storm, into this sea, and they attempt to make sense of an experience they might not have the language to describe. Flight or fight. Their fear forces them to ask a question. And their, their very first question, the one that, that is so basic, they go to the person they trust the most and they say, do you, not even, do you not even care about us? They plead with him, do you not care if we drown? Something is happening that is forcing them out of their natural instincts. But the storm and the sea is not a coincidence. It's a a mythic resonance. It it is life-changing. On the side that they came from, Jesus finally explained parables and teachings that he's kept hidden from them. And on the other side, after the storm, they are going to see amazing things. But this moment, right here, right now, they see one man calm a storm and they ask about identity. Life changes through storms or through rivers or through water. And this is a big deal. Not just um, this, well, this is, this is a big deal. This has connections with baptisms. It has, co- has connections with God freeing, pulling the Israelites out of Egypt. It has connections with God pushing the Israelites into the promised land through Jordan. It has connections um, that spring up throughout our literature too. Huck Finn floats down the river and changes and sees Jim as a brand new person. Ahab searches for the whale, never to be quite fully human. And the grapes of wrath begin with a drought, but ends with a flood. And in the middle, people are trying to figure out how to take care of 
one another. Water is life-changing. It is cleansing. It's a big deal. This story signifies the conversion from life, from normal life, into some higher form, to some meta-life form. It's accompanied by a great storm, a natural upheaval, something that takes their natural sensibilities and pushes them into something new. And it carries them on a flimsy boat carrying this, uh, this anxious human band that is threatened by catastrophe. As one author writes, and I love this, this same water that is used, that is about to be populated by 2,000 demons, a storm needs to clear the air. But this fear uproots the natural. It tosses aside the fight or flight instinct, and it moves towards something else. New roots begin to sink in. They begin to ask new questions, deeper questions, broader questions, not just about themselves, don't you care about us, but even to, to bigger questions. Who is this man that the waves and the winds obey him? Perhaps curiosity is finally becoming its own feeling. You might have stared into the, into the void or into the storm, and you found nothing or very little to make you feel satisfied. Maybe the world keeps turning without much resolution or hope. The richer get richer and the poor remain poor. Perhaps you look into the world and you are so used to the storms and swells that you can no longer bear the brunt reality that our world is broken. Maybe you are in such disbelief that there is a God you don't know whom to blame. Which leads us to the second point, Jesus' question. And his response, following the calming of the storm, pauses the story for a moment. He asks about this tension that they are experiencing. And he takes this tension, this storm, this, this, these deep questions that they are embracing, that they are asking, and he redirects it to them. He says, why are you afraid? Where is your faith? His question further uproots who they are. They look into, the, into this void, into the storm, and they see this man that has done the impossible. He has done, um, he, has, he is someone new again. And later, after, after the storm, he will do something new again. And again, and again, the impossible, then something new. They entered this story expecting Jesus to be one particular person. And Jesus turns the storm, not to something that happens to them, but something that happens for them. And they are still the same after all of this. Can you feel the feeling? Can you hear the, the anguish in Jesus' voice? Do you still not have faith? Why have you not changed? It's tempting to look at the storm and to think that this is the thing that changed them. Indeed, they, they do look into the storm. They ask Jesus for help. He helps them. But perhaps we need, to, we need to shift it and look at it in a different way. Look into the, we might be tempted to look into the void and find meaning out of what we see. Instead, what Jesus does is he changes it and says they look into the void. They look into the storm. And instead of finding any kind of meaning, they find a person. They find Jesus, who is this man. And maybe you respond to this, this storm or this void in a, a few different ways. 
Maybe you, you take flight and the world is hard and mean and violent. So you shut your doors and your, and your windows and you wait for it all to pass. If you could just stick your head in the sand, maybe something better will come along. Or maybe you pick a fight and sometimes you win and sometimes you lose. And you've been knocked around enough times that you know you've forgotten why, why you fight. Or maybe you're paralyzed by either choice or the continuum of possibilities between those two things. In the novel, The Brothers Karamazov, two brothers are discussing their own, their own worldviews in a pub. Um, and one brother at one point says to another, the world says this, you have needs, satisfy them. You have as much right as the rich and the mighty. Don't hesitate to satisfy your needs. You have, indeed, expand your needs, demand more. This is the worldly doctrine of today. And they believe that this is freedom. The result is this. The rich is in isolation and commits suicide. And for the poor, envy and murder. Sometimes our world just has to brush up against a new one. And this leads us to the third point, the gospel's answer. We experience this, this storm. We look into the storm, into this, into this void, and our natural instincts are, are pushed wrong. We are flustered, and we have to find something. So we just ask deep, penetrating questions that, that we want answers to satisfy the things that we aren't satisfied with. And one answer is the gospel, a movement and story that uproots our natural sensibilities. The gospel is the very center of the story. These are the questions these are the changes, the tension between bringing Jesus in just as he was and the man that can control the winds and the waves. The gospel uproots our natural sensibilities, whether economic or social, philosophical or political, whether it's the personal things you keep close to your chest or it's the public things that you wish weren't public or maybe it's the disillusionments that leave you unsettled. The gospel cuts through the very center, past all of those things, and reveals Jesus. As one author writes, the mystery of human existence lies not in just staying alive. It lies not in the basic form of flight or fight, but is finding something to live for. The gospel causes us to ask the same type of questions that the, that the disciples ask. Who is this man that can, that can control the waves? Who is this man that causes me to love people that don't deserve to be loved? Who is this man that, that causes people to love me even though I don't deserve to be loved? This question ripples throughout the book of Mark as Jesus continues to unfold his identity. And contextually, this story you can think of this story as a thesis for the next three stories because this is the beginning as Jesus is sailing across to, um, to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And this story is, is a set for the next three stories where Jesus heals a man who is possessed, where he raises a girl from the dead, and he heals a woman who has been bleeding for 12 years. These are not small feats, but they are answers to real questions. Who is this man? He heals the down and out. He heals those that are broken. It thrusts us, the gospel thrusts us into a brand new way of living. 
a brand new way of looking at our world, at ourselves. And it's clear that this story is the beginning of, of a sequence. We don't get much resolution. It just kind of ends with, with a, a question. Um, but the disciples' great fear, both of Jesus and the storm, is replaced with a greater sense of trust. Who is this man that can, that can control the waves and the water? Oh, it's this man that can control the waves and the water. The very center of their gravity, of their natural sensibilities, of how they naturally look at the world has changed. And now it's open. It's ready for the next thing that Jesus is going to do, for the next thing that he is going to change the world, to change our neighbors, to change us. Pray with me. God of hope, your gospel pushes us into a brand new way of living. As we move throughout the day, allow throughout our day, allow the gravity of our world to take the gravity of yours. Move us, change us, give us the wisdom to love when we don't want to, and the courage to trust when we don't have the strength. Amen.